0: For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com That's fbcdumastx.com You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together, to hear your Word spoken and read. I ask that as we gathered together tonight around our tables, that you would knit our hearts together in love, that we might, as you told your disciples that night, fulfill the great new commandment by loving one another even as you have loved us. Let your spirit be here tonight through the reading of your word, the proclamation of your word as we sing, as we pray, as we observe the Lord's Supper together. Remind us of why we're here, the importance of these days, the importance of this week. We give you thanks and praise and honor and blessing. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
1: The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year for you tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house a lamb for a household and if the household is too small for a lamb then he and his nearest neighbors shall take according to the number of persons according to each according to what each can eat you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses, on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt.
2: Would you join as we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. In theory, the words will be on the screens. Luckily, we all know this one well enough. Would you lift your voices as we sing? Responsive reading. I'm going to read Psalm 114 and every two verses you will respond with his steadfast love endures forever and I will point to you as well just in case when Israel went out from Egypt the house of Jacob from a people of strange language Judah became his sanctuary Israel his dominion his steadfast love endures forever the sea looked and fled. Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. His steadfast love endures forever. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs. His steadfast love endures forever. Tremble, O oh earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. His steadfast love endures forever.
3: Mark fourteen twelve through 21 And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said to his, and he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a mare, man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the masters of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? Where, am I, where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover and it was when it was evening he came with the twelve and as they were reclining at a table and eating Jesus said truly I say to you one of you will betray me one of you who is eating with me they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another is it I he said to them it is one of the twelve one who is dipping bread into the dish with me for the son of man goes as it is written of him but woe to the man by whom the son of man is betrayed it would have been better for that man if he had not been born
4: little children yet a little while i am with you you will seek me and just as i said to the jews So now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus ordered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you (coughs) that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself. That's where I am. That where I am, you may be also. And you know...
3: In, the day, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Oh You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you.
5: A little while, and you will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God." I came from the Father and have come into the world and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, "Ah, oh, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God." Jesus answered them, "Do you believe? Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world."
6: But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it was determined, but woe to that man by whom he's betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it should be who was going to do this?
7: pray bread together Yeah. Uh.
0: to the table of the Lord, and um, regardless of what the song says, I'm not going to make you take the bread or drink the cup on your knees, because I want everybody to be able to get up and leave tonight. (laughs) It's just a wonderful song about bowing before the Lord in reverence and humility, and uh, we're going to do that in just a moment. I'm going to give you a moment um, in a few to bow your head and close your eyes and, and, and be with the Lord and confess. And uh, so that we can approach in a worthy manner. But it's, it's so important that on this night we, we put ourselves in the scene. And the scene, as we've been reading all night, is a celebration of Passover. And Jesus was a Jewish man, his disciples were Jewish men. And they had come to Jerusalem, like a bunch of other Jewish men and women and families, that week to celebrate Passover. I'm not sure, as I said Sunday, what the disciples knew or didn't know, but Jesus knew what was going on. And rather than going through the traditional Passover meal, the Passover service, and maybe they had already retold the story of Exodus, and Jesus had already read from what we read from earlier about how Moses instituted the Passover by the word of the Lord, and they slew the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, and the angel passed over. Maybe they had already been through all that. Either way, at the end of supper... Jesus changes the entire picture. And he no longer points them to another lamb or another sacrifice. He doesn't point them back to Moses and back to Passover, but he points to himself. And as we hear the words that Stan just read, Jesus took bread. And whereas there would have been a traditional liturgy and something to say about the bread and God's presence with his people and his provision for the people, Jesus breaks the bread... And he says, this is my body, which is broken, which is torn for you. And he, he gives them the bread, and he says, as you take this bread, do it in remembrance of me. Later, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 will instruct the church at Corinth to do the same thing. He says, I receive this from the Lord, and I deliver it to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had broken it and gave thanks, he said, This is my body, which is for you. And as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. After they took the bread, Jesus took the cup. And he poured it, and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood. He said, This blood is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Again, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 repeats that. I received this from the Lord that I delivered now to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and drink this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. I don't know what the disciples expected that night. I don't think they expected what was going to happen. As they heard Jesus' words, I'm going away, and you're going to come with me, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. You can tell they're confused. There's lots of questions. Where are you going? How do we get there? What are you talking about? In a few short hours, Jesus will lead them to a garden, and he'll pray for them, and he'll pray for you, and he'll pray for me. And he'll be arrested, tried, beaten, mocked, scourged, and crucified, and left to hang on a cross to die. It's a wonderful, warm night that Jesus has with his disciples. There's love and grace in the room. He washes their feet. He says, this is a new meal you're to have in remembrance of me, and I will be with you when you do this meal by my Holy Spirit until the end of the age. But it's also a dark night because this is the night when Jesus will be delivered into the hands of sinners by the Father's plan for you and for me. You have the elements of the Lord's Supper there on your table. Before we take those together, I want you to bow where you are in prayer in reverence. And uh, Paul tells us to examine ourselves before we come to the table of the Lord to be sure we come in a worthy manner, Uh, not sinless, not perfect, or else we would never come to the table of the Lord, but understanding our sin, confessing our sin, and seeking God's forgiveness, and receiving the confirmation of that forgiveness as we take the elements together. So you bow and you pray. I'll give you a few moments in silence to confess those things to the Lord as we come to the table of the Lord together. I think most of you are sitting at tables with friends, family, uh, people that you know. But if you don't, even better. I want to ask you together as a table, someone from your table, volunteer to pray for your table. And what I want you to pray for is that as we go through the communion service together just now, that your table, those at your table, would would be strengthened in their faith. I want you to pray for your table that we would be focused on Jesus today tomorrow through the week and in all of our lives and I want you to pray for the people at your table that they would draw closer to God so at your table right now for the next few minutes someone would be bold and brave enough uh, to pray for your table I'll give you time to do that and then we will take the elements together Man, take those elements uh, someone can, can start the tray or you can all just grab from the tray it doesn't matter how you do it just grab a piece of bread and one of the cups of juice I didn't get myself the small cup so I get to use the granddaddy cup tonight I always want to on Sundays but <laughs> I'm going to do it tonight If you are a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, this supper is for you. And the Lord Jesus says in this supper, he says to you, if you are in him, your sins are forgiven. You are clean, you are washed by his blood and his broken body. I think that in the Lord's Supper, there's something a little more, in my opinion, it's Brother Matt, not Pastor Matt. In my opinion, there's something a little more than, than just a symbol. It is a symbol. It is a memorial. But I think there's something a little more. I, I think something really does happen by the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our souls when we receive in faith. Paul says that the bread that we break is a fellowship with the body of Christ. He says the cup that we bless is a fellowship with the blood of Christ Christ. It's not superstitious or magical or some, some thing crazy thing that happens to the elements. It's just bread and it's just juice. But God by his Holy Spirit through these simple elements of bread and wine or juice takes us before his throne. He takes us there in the presence of Christ where Christ himself is the host and he says take and eat and take and drink. Take that piece of bread in your hand and As we receive together tonight, let's take in remembrance of Jesus, the bread of heaven, remember that he was torn for us. Take and eat. And take the cup and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins. Take and drink and be thankful. Our Father, we thank you for the gift of the Lord's Supper. Through these simple, earthly, tangible means, you convey to us the reality of your grace and your mercy in Christ. And we ask that for those who have taken in faith tonight, you would seal and confirm us in our faith, remind us of the goodness of the gospel, and draw us ever nearer to our Lord Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen.
9: Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while i go over there and pray. And, And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour, watch and pray that you may n- not enter into temptation? The spirit indeed is willing, but flesh is weak. Again, for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, you, your will, will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes w- were heavy.
7: That disciple whom he loved, he not his master's grief and tears, tears
0: In our lunch studies that we've been doing through the past couple weeks, uh, six weeks to be exact, we've been looking at the I Am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. Of course, you know the significance of using the term, the name I Am. It's the name that God gave Moses to tell the people of Israel when they asked who sent him in Exodus chapter 3. You are to tell them I Am sent you. Jesus uses a very particular way of saying that in Greek when he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And tonight we come to the seventh I am statement, the completion, if you will, of these I am statements. And in John 15, 1, right here in the middle of the upper room discourse that we've been in uh, for the majority of our readings tonight, Jesus says, I am the true vine. That was spoken on this very night there in the upper room as Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. It was the center of his discourse with them and this picture wasn't new for the disciples or for Israel. In fact, God, especially through the prophet Isaiah, often pictured Israel as God's vine or God's vineyard. Of course, we know Israel's history. There was this repeated failure to produce fruit for God, this repeated failure to produce the fruit of holiness that God required. And that's where Jesus comes in. And that's why he says, I am not just the vine, but I am the true vine I am the better Israel I am the better Adam and every single hero we know from the old covenant even the new covenant Jesus says I am the better one of those because only I am only God himself could do that there are several pictures we see here in John's gospel in the 15th chapter when Jesus talks about this picture of the vine and the branches and bearing fruit And the main picture Jesus wants to remind us of in verse 2 is, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, he snips off, that it may bear more fruit. The question for us here tonight as we hear that Jesus is the true vine, as Paul told us to examine ourselves, is to ask if we are producing fruit or if we were fruitless. Many claim to know Jesus. Many will attach themselves to Jesus in a superficial way, claiming to be in him, claiming to know him. And the question we have to ask ourselves, first of all, the question we have to ask ourselves is, if I claim to be in Christ, where's the fruit? Always think of the old Wendy's commercial. You know, where's the beef? Where's the fruit? Where's the evidence? If I claim to belong to Jesus... There is a warning here tonight in the upper room. There's a warning here tonight for us, for those who are attached in some way, but there's no fruit. What is there to do but to cut those branches off? What is there for Jesus to do to people who claim to know him but produce no fruit for him, who are not true believers, who are false converts, who are not producing fruit? Jesus says they will be cut off and thrown into the fire in judgment. Why? So that the true branches may bear more fruit. Same apostle John tells us in 1 John 2.19 that many will leave the church, many will leave the faith. And he says, you know, when they leave, as they go, it is evidence that they did not belong to us in the first place. This is a wonderful season to hear afresh the story of our salvation, the events of the gospel, the cross, the empty tomb. That's, that's the gospel. That's what Holy Week is all about. But it's also a wonderful opportunity to examine ourselves, as Paul says, to see if we truly are in the faith. Tonight in the upper room, Jesus would ask his disciples, I think he would a- ask us, is there fruit? Are you straying tonight? Are you wandering tonight? Are you stagnant in your walk with Christ tonight? Or is there a walk at all? Maybe tonight you do not truly know Jesus. You're not truly in the vine. You've been attached superficially because of your family, tradition, upbringing. Anything short of true saving faith and repentance in Christ does not attach you to the vine. Like those seeds that Jesus talks about that fall on the hard ground, that fall amid the rocks, that fall amid the thorns... Like these dead branches we see here tonight, Jesus warning to you, hear the word of the Lord, come to him, the true vine, and bear fruit in him. And that is the key here, isn't it? In verses 3 through 11, if you had your Bibles open, I know you don't, but if you did, and you were looking in verses 3 through 11, you would see this phrase 10 times, abide in me. Abide in me, and I in you. Some form of that phrase is used ten times in the next eight verses. And the point is obvious. Jesus says you need to bear fruit, but you cannot bear fruit in and of yourselves. You must be, as verse 4 says, abiding in him, because a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless you are abiding in the vine, you cannot bear fruit. Abiding in, remaining in, dwelling in. And Jesus says, as we abide and as we remain in him and he in us, we bear fruit. But outside of him, on our own, by our own good works, our own self-righteousness or straying from Christ, we can produce nothing. And verse 6 is a reminder of this warning. If anyone does not abide in me, and they don't bear fruit, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. And burned. Verse 7, though, shows us the secret to abiding in Christ. If we want to bear fruit and we want to abide in Christ, Jesus says in verse 7, If you abide in me, listen, and my words abide in you. The key to bearing fruit for Christ and the key to abiding in him is abiding in his word and his word abiding in us it's what brought you to salvation in the first place isn't that what jesus said in verse three already you are clean why because of the word that i have spoken to you you were saved by hearing the word of the gospel by believing in it that's how you were brought to salvation and now that you're in the lord jesus through the hearing of the gospel through his word he says stay there don't ever outgrow your need and your thirst and your hunger for the word and for the gospel. And Jesus says as you abide and remain in him and he in us and as you abide in his word and his word in us you will grow and bear much fruit for the glory of God. Continue to abide in the word of God. Now, I want to ask you tonight if this might need to be a season for you to commit yourself afresh to abiding in the word and allowing the word to abide in you. I wanna ask you tonight in this room and maybe those who will listen later, what changes do you need to make by the Spirit's help? What changes do you need to make to abide in the word and to allow the word to abide in you? Maybe church needs to be made a priority again in your home. Maybe Sunday school needs to be a priority. Small groups, our Wednesday night Bible studies, personal reading, personal study, What needs to be cultivated in your life so that as a branch you can be connected to the vine and the word and the word can abide in you? Lastly, Jesus speaks of obedience. In verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. How do we do that? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Jesus points us to obedience. If you would abide in Jesus' love, obey his commandments. Not so as to earn or to maintain his love through obedience. The love that he has for us is constant and unchanging. It doesn't diminish, it doesn't grow. It is always eternal, steadfast, faithful love. But it is our experience of that love that changes and can vary in our abiding in the love of Christ. Things that can hamper the experience of God's love for us can be sin, disobedience, wandering from him, being tempted and distracted by the things of the world. And the invitation for all of us tonight, as we hear the words of Jesus, as we see the example of his love and the washing of the feet. and the institution of the Lord's Supper, your invitation is to run to him tonight, to abide in him, to find refuge in him, and to experience his love maybe more fully now than you ever have before. And verse 11 shows us the outcome of abiding in Christ. These things I have spoken to you, all the things that we've heard tonight, as Jesus prepared to leave his disciples, these things I have spoken to you, That my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This has been a hard season for so many in our church body. Sickness, surgeries, losses. Think of being in this place last year, same place, same general time period, and how many we have lost since then. Think of other burdens and other pains that you are experiencing tonight. Maybe spiritually this has been a besetting season for you. you've fallen into sin or temptation, old habits. Maybe you've just simply been distracted. You're straying from God, you're straying from church for whatever reason. And the beautiful picture of Holy Week is not a God that demands anything from you but a God who himself stoops down in humility to wash the feet of sinners. We do not find in this upper room a chiding, bitter Savior who rejects the fallen, who rejects the downtrodden, the hurting, and the grieving, but we find a Savior who says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you Rest. We find a Savior who, here in the center of this upper room sermon, says, "Abide in me." We find a Savior whose arms and hands are extended to you, to me tonight, to to do just that. Unbelievers and believers alike, the invitation is really the same: abide in Christ. What will you say to this Savior tonight? will you turn away will you keep ignoring him or will you come to him this is a somber holy night in light of the coming day in light of the events of the coming day and what he did for you and for me and I love the old country gospel song that simply asks knowing what he did for you how can you refuse him now The invitation on this Maundy Thursday, the invitation on this night that just reflects on the new mandate, the new commandment to love each other as Christ has loved us, the invitation is to fall in love anew with Christ and to pledge yourselves again love to one another. Come to Christ tonight, abide in him tonight, live in him tonight so that your joy may be full. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604.
9: We'll see you next time.